Good afternoon, brothers and sisters in our Lord Jesus Christ. This is your good friend Dan, and this is another service, another ministry um, on my part. And, uh, you know, we'll see where this goes. I, I tried to kickstart this again a few weeks ago. And I can't really tell you so far how it's going to work out. Um, Structure-wise, I, I don't know if I'm going to have a fixed structure. I'm of the opinion that today's service will be instructive for all. You could say that the principal reading for today, the main reading, the only reading, the book of James, is in many ways a powerful catechism for any new Christian. I'm not saying it's the only source of wisdom in the New Testament. It's not. But in many ways, James, the brother of Jesus, distilled many of the core teachings into one book. And I think he pulled them together with a powerful theme, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But we're going to read the book of James. And we will start at the beginning. James, servant of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. To the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so you so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. Believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. But the rich should take pride in their humiliation. Since they will pass away like the wildflower. For the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossoms fall, its blossom falls, and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich will fade away, even while they go about their business. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death.
don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that he might be a kind of first fruits of all he created. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. My brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but say to the poor man, you stand there, sit on the floor by my feet, have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world? Yes, indeed, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. 
For he who said, you shall not commit adultery, also said, you shall not murder. If you do commit adultery, if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it? My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even demons believe that and shudder. You foolish person. Do you want evidence that faith without deeds is, is useless? Was not... Your, was not our father, was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered up his son Jacob, excuse me, offered up his son Isaac on the altar? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together. And his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was, uh, was credited to him as righteousness. And he was called God's friend. You see that a person is considered righteous by what, by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different, different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Not many of you should become teachers Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue 
is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can, salt spr neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good life, by deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For, for where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder and every evil practiced. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desire that your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive, because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your, your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell in us, but he gives us more grace 
That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now listen. Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted, and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh, just like fire. You have hoarded wealth in the last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who was not opposing you. Be patient then, brothers and sisters. Be patient until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. 
because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. And the judge is standing at the door. Brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. You have heard of, jo of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else. All you need to say is simple yes or no. Otherwise, you will be condemned. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover over a multitude of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So I don't always um, decide to read a book for a service. I've kind of treated this as an organic process. It's part of my relationship with Jesus. It's part of being a disciple. And by the way, if you're a Christian and you're not taking up some of the ministry, which means if you're not out there at least teaching some people out there the Word of God, if you're not reminding them that at any time Jesus could return, 
then you're not really doing it right. You don't need to wait for church on Sunday. You don't need to wait for some middle-aged fat dude in Utah. You can do it yourself more so. You're supposed to. Now, of course, James tells us, be careful about being a teacher. But that's actually kind of smart. Because just as any person who deceives and harms a child, it would be better if they had a millstone wrapped around their neck and they're dumped into the sea, I would contend if you're taking up being a disciple of Christ, then be careful in how you spread the word. It isn't a get-rich-quick program. It really isn't. In fact, that's if you wanted to say to yourself, what's a core theme of James? And again, some of you out there who know me, you might be ANCAP, you might not be anarchists like me, you might think James is a communist. He's talking about rich people. He's talking about how it would be good if rich people are humiliated. But here's the thing. As a Christian, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. There's nothing wrong with the joys of the world as long as they don't conflict with sin. And, and, and more importantly, I should say, as long as they don't conflict with the word of God, as long as, you know, you're not just out there having fun for the purpose of sin. I had to rephrase that. But the point is, Jesus wants us to be happy. The Lord in heaven has always wanted us to be happy. Of everything the Lord wants for us, in addition to faith, in addition to doing the work of the Lord, in addition to keeping the laws of Scripture, the Lord also wants us to be happy. So there is nothing in conflict with some of this worldly joy and still being in concert with the Lord. Where the conflict arises, and I know this may seem complicated, but this is the common story of mankind, of the chosen people, in the Bible, going right back to the beginning. Be joyful, enjoy this world, enjoy your body, but keep the word of the Lord, okay? Obey the Lord in heaven. Keep your faith, you know? Don't simply assume, and this, is, I think, is part of the problem, that God is simply going to give us everything we want because that's not what prayer is about. One of the core themes of James is this division, and in some sense, St. Augustine takes this up in the city of God. But this division between stuff that's in the world and stuff that is related to the kingdom. And there's a lot of people who go around saying things like, well, the kingdom is here, or the kingdom is already near or here. And yes, in the New Testament, Jesus says things that are kind of in line with that. But I'm not sure that's the whole perspective. I think what James does in this book is distills a fairly complete Christian perspective, which is that it's not enough to have faith. It's not simply enough to regurgitate the Bible. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you have to live the faith. And the way you live the faith is by doing good things in the world. You see, this is part of that message. How do you bridge the kingdom of God with the world? Well, for James, it's kind of simple. Do good things in the world. It doesn't mean you can't be happy. It doesn't mean you can't have a ski boat or go enjoy some, you know, hiking up in the woods or have yourself some fun on an SUV, in an SUV or whatever. That's not the point. It doesn't mean you can't have a glass of wine or a steak dinner. But what 
is critical, going right back to the beginning, is don't take the stake and don't take the SUV and don't take the ski boat or the home and make it bigger than God. If, if you wanted me to distill a message here, that's part of the message. None of the things in this world should be bigger than God. And in a lot of ways, James is a good bookend in the New Testament to an Old Testament book called the book of Ecclesiastes. Because the book of Ecclesiastes talks about the world and talks about faith very specifically in reference to the world and everything that the world is. And the world, frankly speaking, you know, isn't everything that, you know, we, we expect it to be. We, we get told a lot of things about the world when we were kids. You know, when I was a kid, I'd watch the Jetsons. I'd watch these scientific documentaries. They'd tell us how we'd all be landed on Mars by now. That didn't happen. Now, am I going to beat up the world because it didn't happen? No, that's also kind of silly. But it does point out that the world makes all kinds of promises. And in many cases, if not most, those promises are vapor. They just blow with the wind. They go nowhere. It is good to have faith and it is good to be knowledgeable of the Bible. And it's okay to be successful in this life, but I think one of the things that James is trying to remind us of is that we go astray when we take any feature of the world and we make it equal to God. It's not equal. It will never be equal. It won't even be second place. There is nothing. Listen, I love cheeseburgers, and I've had some good cheeseburgers, and there is no cheeseburger that's ever going to be bigger than Jesus. I like to drink beer. I, I'm trying to drink less of it, but I do. I like to drink beer. There is no beer bigger than Jesus, okay? I kind of like marijuana. I, I use it to treat anxiety and depression, but I also kind of like it. But there is no joint or bowl bigger than God, you know? I would love to have a home one day. I, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm, I'm just being honest, folks. I'm looking at reality for what it is these days. I would love to have a home. I'd love to have a piece of property where if I have a dog... That dog can run around and be happy. That would be wonderful. I would love to have it. And if I did have it, God wouldn't say that was a sin. But if I took that home or that dog or any feature of this worldly life and said, this is bigger than God and I'm going to put all my energy into this, that is when we fail. Our faith journey is part of what prepares us and everyone else for Christ's return. Our faith journey is part of how we take a world that is not Eden, okay? It is not heaven. This is not the kingdom yet. But we take this world and we make it more like the kingdom. We do it through deeds, through actions. It's one of the things that bothers me about many Christians, and I think they get it horribly wrong. And I do. I think they get it horribly wrong. They try to preach you know, a saved by faith alone philosophy. And I've listened to it over the years and I've shook my head. But what I find in James, the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ when he was on earth, what I find in James is that simple distilled truth that demons know God exists and they have faith that God exists, but they also sort of tremble and shudder. The simple truth that if we want to be the disciples of Jesus Christ, we have to do more than say we simply believe. 
We have to do more than treat Jesus like a cash machine. And we have to get away from forms of faith that are connected to the world. If you go to a ministry and they're promising you that you'll be rich and that you'll have a brand new car, if you go to a ministry where the preacher tells you if you tithe, you're going to become successful, you're going to become beautiful in the world, they are leading you astray. That is not complicated. That is all through the New Testament. None of this was ever about the world. The world, <laughs> how can I put this, brothers and sisters? The world was doing fine and is doing fine by itself. The world has all the sin it needs. It has the devil in charge. It's got all the casinos and the discos and the drugs and everything. You do not need to worry about the world, my brothers and sisters. As Christians, we need to worry about our connection to Christ. We need to care for each other. The world is going to be what it is until the end. Our work is not about the world. Our work is about saving people, bringing them to Christ. That is our work. That is discipleship. That is why I tell people, if you're going to be here in the world and call yourself a Christian, then don't tell me that the church got shut down. If you have Christ in your heart, you carry a church with you. If you can meet with one other person to discuss the Lord, you have church. It is that simple and that difficult. Do you have to be careful in how you represent Christ? Yes, you do. But the good news is the Lord gave us good news that was rather simple. A lot of the principles are not that complicated. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Love the Lord God above all else. Be true to the covenants. Be true to the agreements. Be true to everything in the Old and New Testament that Jesus Christ upheld on the cross. Know that the Lord gave his only son to save the world. Know that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose three days later. Know that the Lord was on earth for, I think, what, 40 days? The Lord was on earth following his resurrection with the disciples. He was the Son of God who rose again. Know these things are true. Know that they're absolutely true. They're kind of magical. They're kind of, they require a kind of sense of faith in things that don't fit neatly into a modern technological world, but know that these things are true. This is what we're supposed to do as Christians, and we need to spread the word. And I don't know the time or day. All I know is, is that we're not going to get any warning. When Jesus comes back, could be today, could be tomorrow, could be 200 years from now. When the Lord returns, there's going to be no warning. Okay? You're going to be walking with a friend. Okay? You're going to be walking with a friend in the park. And your friend might disappear and you might find yourself standing there. That is the warning you're going to get. You're going to be with your wife in your bed. And your wife disappears and you're left in bed. And you're going to say to yourself, what just happened? But we're not going to know when that happens. That is a mystery. You will be going about your business in a world filled with magical technology and all kinds of 
really cool gizmos and all sorts of material wealth and fancy homes and yachts. You'll be in the world wearing your nice clothes and then bam, out of nowhere, Christ shows up. That is how it's going to happen. And our work to do as Christians until we die or until the Lord returns, whichever comes first, is to prepare the way, is to bring the word to as many Christians as we can with humility, with the recognition that we are sinners and we do sin. And the closer we are to the world, the closer we are to sin. like to say a prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, you provided for your faithful a road map of, of faith, a guide, a means, the word. And yet in our journey of faith, we often ignore the word. Kind Father, you gave to us great teachers, great leaders, who lived their faith journey by example, and yet we still find ourselves hungering for earthy wizards, earthly-style magicians and charlatans that claim the name disciple. Lord, we seek to renew our faith in the church, and we do this by focusing on the basic truths of the kingdom life. Give us the strength to persevere, despite our error, despite our sin. In your name we serve, Jesus Christ, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. It's, it is Wednesday. It's hump day. It's the middle of the week. It's, it's perhaps a strange time to be thinking about God for a lot of people, but maybe it's a good time. I think that in James, we have a catechism, a kind of Christian manifesto, and a distillment of the essential truths of Christianity. In a lot of ways, if you can read James and understand what it is the brother of Jesus is trying to describe, my guess is live according to the book of James and you're probably living a pretty Christian You're probably living the kingdom life at that point. But it's not easy. And it's not easy to know where the distinction is between the world and God. It's not. I mean, think about family. And this is the thought I'll leave you with. Think about family. Think about your kids. Okay? If you ask yourself what's more important, the Lord in heaven or your child, well, that's a really tough question. You know, Abraham had to ask that question. What is more important, this child Isaac, this child that came to me when I was an old man, this child that came to me when all hope was lost, I'll just take him to the top of the hill and I'll kill him because the Lord said so. And yet Isaac was prepared to do that. So when we think about this question of the world versus God, it's not that simple. And so for the rest of this week, until you go to your church or 
open the Bible again or pray for the rest of this week, if you're going to think on something, think on where you think you would draw the line with respect to God. Would you obey God no matter what? Or is there a point at which the world takes precedence? Because brothers and sisters, that's an important question for our age. If you experienced or learned anything from the last three years, I hope you learned this. A lot of people will turn their backs on each other. A lot of people will even turn their backs on their children in order to you know, uphold the principles of this worldly life. A lot of people will pay more attention to a coffee filter on their face than they will to the, to the word of God. So, brothers and sisters, this is not a trivial issue. Where is the line between the world and God? I will tell you, once you understand this, it's not tricky, it's not difficult. But for a lot of people, they will go down a list of things and all of it turns to dust. All of it. Every single thing you're going to come up with that is so important to you will turn to dust. This whole world turns to dust. There is nothing in this world that's going to last, period. But the love of Jesus Christ, the love of the Lord in heaven, that's going to last forever. God bless you.